Uh, can I tell you both? I love tapas. I yeah. can't get enough of them. <laughs> and that, is, that, that is incredible. It's incredibly in your lane. I, I, I can't imagine anything. Oh, Gabe, or look at or look at David. He looks so happy. And oh, now he's gone. <laughs> um, I love yeah, tapas. no, that seems right up your alley. It seems. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you'd love a nice, you know, s- small plate. You yeah, know? you know, uh, the variety of life. Yeah, you you have the energy of like a twenty two year old girl, like doing like teaching Dude, English. Give me some. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I spent a summer backpacking through southern Spain. I went to Valencia. Did you? And uh, mm-hmm. would you like to come to this tapas bar with me and get some papas bravas? Patatas bravas. And some, yeah. uh, chorizo. Oh. Let's yes. do it. Yeah, I, I yeah. like I like bite sized stories. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's what that, you know. That, that was the beautiful intro that we got for today's episode. We're gonna do some bite-sized little boys. We're gonna do. First, <laughs> Why first, do you have fir- to gender the stories, David? Oh, uh, all white collar crime is male. That is just it's it's all greed. Um, yeah, and all women are perfect, and the most perfect one is the one listening to this podcast right now. And uh, so, <laughs> the I did I did, I David's mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the first one wawa settles esop lawsuit for 21.6 million dollars for if you're not on mm-hmm. the east coast and you don't know anything about you know uh economics or corporate stuff that probably meant nothing to you um <laughs> yes truly yes. truly <laughs> truly gobbledygook i mean just mm-hmm. uh wawa yeah uh, what is wawa what is that yeah, it sounds Danny, like Danny, something uh a toddler Danny, says. Yeah, Danny, what's Wawa? See, here's the thing. I am not from Philadelphia. I'm not from Pennsylvania, but I relate to the ridiculously named convenience store, okay. which is essentially what Wawa is. I don't know if you guys know this, but in Oregon, uh, in Portland, there we had that we have a place called Plaid Pantry. So. Uh. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I know you'd always, yeah, we're going to the plaid to pick some stuff. That's what Wawa is, you know. And Philadelphians are uh, uh, famously loyal to this this brand of convenience store. They have great sandwiches, I've heard. They have, yes. they have great sandwiches. That is true. Yes. People yes. love it. Have you guys ever been to one? No. Okay, so <laughs> I had a friend from college who she would just talk nonstop about Wawa and, like, she from philly and she would just like the sandwiches are so good and the ice cream is really really good and then like she just kind of talked went through all the different options and she's like the soda fountain is amazing you can always go to the soda fountain it's so good and and then she was talking about how uh she brought up the sandwiches again and then she talked about like how even like the hot dogs are good and the cigarettes are always cheap and i was just like imagining something Along the lines of Qdoba, you know, like just that level of excellence and perfect. I was um, imagining yeah. some chain gang from like a Coen Brothers like movie that's black and white where they're all preaching about the big rock candy mountain. <laughs> yeah. And that's what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it had that energy and level of like love. <laughs> um, and it was just like, uh, I was expecting, you know, like the the rivers made out of cigarettes or whatever, um, like, <laughs> <laughs> or chewing tobacco juice just flowing from yeah. tributaries and creeks, and you yeah. can put your little tin cup in there and scoop out as much tobacco juice as you want. <laughs> all the cops have wooden legs. Yeah, uh, yeah. the old Dip River. Mm. <laughs> and you're given a pouch of wooden nickels. But guess yeah. what? <laughs> Everybody takes them because they're all suckers. Mm. Yep, yep. Um, and none of the whores have syphilis. So that was Wawa for me. That's what I thought it was. And look, I go there and look, it is a convenience store that's like pretty good. Like that's that's it. <laughs> that's like my whole experience. I got I went there and I got a sandwich and it was like subway quality pretty good like solid reasonable sandwich and like that's the thing about most gas stations and convenience stores is that 
the fact that how high they were playing up Wawa makes you realize how much, how horrible gas station food is otherwise. Like, 7-Eleven is disgusting. Yeah. Well, well the, uh, think about how terrible the world in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is. That everyone's <laughs> excited to go to Barter Town. That's what, like, <laughs> if you're, if Wawa is the height of your civilization, man, <laughs> you live Dude, well, in an apocalyptic wasteland. Fly Dude, people, fly. people have that. People have that with fucking food. It's the same thing. I mean, it, uh, I remember this guy uh, from Florida who worked at my old job. He was fucking over the goddamn moon about Chick-fil-A. He was like, oh, yeah, man, dude, one time we drove all the way to Florida to get some, and I was just sort of like, and I remember the first time I had Chick-fil-A because we, we didn't really have them on the West Coast as much. I was just like, oh, cool, a, a okay chicken sandwich, or like, oh, God, you got to have In-N-Out. Yeah, it's oh, it's the best burger. It's like, wow, this thing. I mean, like, look, I'm from Seattle where we have, dick's hamburgers which are like small yeah. small like yummy hamburgers yeah, and like look yeah, i they're quite good they're quite good now do i think they're the best hamburger ever probably not i'm willing to accept my own regionality come on guys the thing the thing is is that people don't love the food they love the experiences <laughs> their, their childhood. and their childhood <laughs> yeah, and yeah. feeling like they have something <laughs> meaningful to cling to about their life because america sure. sucks and capitalism is awful and so the only way that you can feel like your life and your region means something is if you talk about how great wawa is or like i mean really the worst example of this is kansas city with barbecue like bar oh like, yeah oh my god it's 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 a horrible horrible symptom of this pro like of, of this larger problem that's everywhere in the country like Kansas City barbecue, there's so much barbecue in Kansas City. It's, like, great, mm -hmm. but it is also, like, the most annoying travel ch channel cliche on earth um, about Kansas City barbecue, about Kansas City. Like, there's, Kansas City's a nice town. There's some good things about it. Some of the barbecue's good. Some of the barbecue's fine. And, but you cling to it and you strive for it to be something because your life has to be something because <laughs> yeah 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 you yeah yeah didn't do the things that you wanted to do you never <laughs> like you never moved to you know mexico after your senior year of high school like you told yourself you would and therefore the barbecue has to be the greatest thing on earth uh yeah i understand this quaint uh kansas city barbecue you know uh I can see why you might really like that if that's where you're from, but have you ever been to the south of España? Have you been to Sevilla? <laughs> have you had calamar a la Roman? Okay, so next Champignones <laughs> rellenos. <laughs> uh, okay, really quick, what this was. Wawa settles Aesop because Gabe is reminding us that we are doing a tapas version of the story. Uh, Wawa settles an Aesop lawsuit, and Aesop is... Employee owned stock ownership program or employee stock ownership oh, program. Oh, okay. So okay. it is when the company is owned in part by every single employee, basically. Yeah. Right? So nice thing. That's workers, pretty cool. Workers yeah. owning the means of production. It's it's a rad thing. And it's reasonably common, right? Like, um, so this is a a good thing. And because they are shareholders in the company. Shareholders have certain rights. And basically, this sort of a lawsuit comes up when the company breaks the rights of the shareholders, a.k.a. the employees. Yeah. Uh, so what it is is that they're supposed to – there are 10,000 former employees uh, that had about $500 per share of Wawa stock that they owned. Uh, so they were supposed to, uh, they breached their fiduciary duty because the former employees received less than fair market value for their stock holdings. That's kind of the whole thing. Like, this sort of stuff happens all the time in corporate law. The shareholders sue the owners because the owner messed up. The owner was racist. The owner, well, that, that's more recent. That's like a more new thing. But like not, yeah. And, or, but now it's really like they didn't make us enough money. 
That's like the big one. And what's cool about this structure is that if you own part of the company, all of a sudden you can do all the stinky shit that shareholders do uh, in order to uh, ha- maintain some power over management. Um, next story. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Also, very quickly, uh, I would also just say before we move on to the next thing, it's like, look, you don't have to like Wawa, but it's okay if you like collective ownership and bargaining. It's like the the most. I feels like the the most loyally followed things often get that. Like, right there. Green Bay Packers fans. There it is. Everywhere in the fucking United States. And they are so loyal to that goddamn team because right. it's owned by the shareholders. You know, it's there's something there's something about that collectiveness where if people get fucked with, they're just like, No, you're fucking with me now, you know? Right. Like that's the thing, is if you wouldn't have this like, oh my god, the sandwiches are great at Wawa, therefore I'm proud of it. You would say, no, I own part of Wawa, therefore I'm proud mm-hmm. of it. Like, I work there and I own part of it. That is going to be a much more meaningful form of ownership uh, than talking about the, how their turkey hoagies are so good. Um, yeah. I mean, and they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> they're pretty good. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, next one. Uh, at, yes. the, at this tapas bar, we have uh, the CFTC uh, has charged a Florida man for attempting to fraudulently profit from coronavirus. Best state uh, in the union. Yeah, Best man right. in the union. Yeah. So Florida, <laughs> explored by Ponce de Leon, looking for the yeah. fountain of youth. OG uh, Florida man. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Pon- <laughs> Ponzi de... Ponzi de Leon. Ponzi de Ponzi Ponzi de Estre uh Yeah yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's like I miss my tapas, but maybe maybe I'll find something better than those here. Yeah, actually, yeah. did you guys did you guys know that the capital of Florida is actually a mispronunciation of tapas? Tallahassee. Tapa tapa tapas. Tapas. well anyways. Yes. Yeah, so so with this, when when uh, coronavirus first started, we had your blue collar uh, assailing assailing um, cruelty, um, uh, some guy somewhere hoarding all the toilet paper, trying to sell it oh, for yeah. an exorbitant amount. Oh yeah, all the all that kind of stuff. Now we're getting into the 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 second stage of of people people trying to screw people out of money. Yeah, uh, the white collar source of it. So I mean. The fun thing about it is we actually Googled um, Florida Man. And it's a game. Are, yeah, it's a fun it's thing a, to do. It, it's a game. There are two things. There are two separate cases of, quote, Florida Man. Uh, two separate guys trying to illegally profit off of coronavirus, um, mm. <laughs> which is just kind of amazing. Like, one guy uh, was charged by the CFTC. That's what we start, That's what started this. James Frederick Walsh. He was uh, fraudulently trying to solicit some uh, basically some coronavirus. Uh, His solicitations include falsely claiming to generate increased profits as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Uh, CFTC stands for Commodity Futures Trading Commission, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Commodities like (laughs) tapas. Yeah, I love their website. It's so it's so um efficient. But go on. Uh yeah, so so one Basically, guy, one they, guy. Yeah, so for, Walsh was soliciting members of the public for uh for purpose, you know, trading foreign currency. It's a it's a big whole cottage industry of like illegally soliciting the trading of foreign currency. It happens all the time. It's called forex. It's a big thing. Um and he was using social media platforms to market himself as a highly successful forex trader who earned average monthly returns of 8 to 11% uh, or a flat 3% guaranteed profit of each month uh, for his clients. He falsely claimed to have access to legal inside information about the direction in which forex markets will move. Um, 
as alleged, <laughs> Walsh had no U.S.-based Forex trading accounts. Like, he just straight up lied. Um, and part of it is that he is, is earning even greater trading profits because of coronavirus impacting financial markets, claiming that the returns mm. in Forex continue to grow as the rest of the financial world continues to suffer. Um, so God bless the, the white-collar Florida man. He's not just, he's like really breaking stereotypes of not just like, you know, Florida man, like inserted meth into alligator's asshole and then like <laughs> married yeah. his sister or whatever. Like this man is doing some complicated, white-collar, sophisticated, uh, I don't know, fuck-ups. And whereas his other for Florida man friend is a guy named Mark Greenan and his sons, Jonathan, Joseph, Ooh. and Jordan of Bradenton, Florida, which... <laughs> Bradenton? <laughs> Bradenton, Florida. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, a, yeah. I like a family hustle, though. I really do. I like it when you keep it, keep it in the family with the sons working, too. Yeah. I, I like that, too. And I'm surprised that none of them are named Braden. I think that that's, yeah. that's a missed opportunity has, for, yeah. They has the strong son who's, like, all big and looks like Blotto from Popeye. You got the weak son with the glasses. Uh, you've got a son who's like evil, who always wears a cloak. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, cloak, cloak son uh, yeah, yeah. walking around <laughs> the, the hot topic and the cemeteries in the middle of August in Florida. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Never yeah. breaks a sweat. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't have sweat glands. Because... Yeah, just like Prince Andrew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, so basically, uh, they were manufacturing, promoting, and selling, I, I shit you not, Miracle Mineral Solution, a chemical solution no. sodium chloride <laughs> and water, and saying that it was a, um, that it was a cure for coronavirus. Wait, Ch salt? You saying salt? Sodium chloride? Salt? Sodium chloride. Chlorite. Chlorite. Okay. Uh, the men sold the toxic bleach under the guise of Genesis oh. 2, <laughs> Church of Health and Healing, an, an entity they had allegedly created in an attempt to avoid government regulation. They created... This is a John Oliver episode. They created a church in order to avoid regulation. And what they were literally selling was poison. Perfect. Oh, uh, man. Side note, the Catholic Church got uh, billions in... Um, in uh, PPE, is that P -P 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 -P. it? Yeah, or PPP. PPP. Yeah, yeah. They're down with PPP. Yeah. Yeah, insert insert pedophilia joke here. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> untaxed, untaxed pedophilia. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that is um, some nice Florida tapas. Uh, they did it. We love the family of the Bradenton family. And, and I, I mean, can you imagine just like being a dad and being like, we got to come on, kids, let's get let's get the kids together. All all three J J names and let's just ruin some lives. Well, you know what it was is like he's got a daughter and she's pretty cool. Like she got out of Florida. Maybe she moved up north. She's got some yeah. uh, like she she's into sort of new age healing. And one time for Christmas. She gave her dad. She left when she was visiting home. She left a small bottle of Dr. Bronner's <laughs> soap in the bathroom. Yeah. And the yeah. dad, he looked at the Bronner's bottle. And I love Bronner's, man. That peppermint, it tingles everywhere, right? Especially right. the first time mm -hmm, you use it mm -hmm. after a long time. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. mm, with the loofah, ah, Iceman. I'm tingling all over. But Dude, you're going crazy. You see the that bottle. Yeah. <laughs> And you go, what is this nonsense on, on the whole thing? And the dad was like, mm -hmm. yes, what do people need right now? They need some uh, special, like, tonic, some old-timey carnival tonic. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and here we go. This is the packaging. Did I tell you about the time that I uh, made my own Dr. Bronner's label? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I sometimes I'll get on these like Adobe Illustrator kicks where I'll be I'll see something and I'll be like, I have to make a thing of that. So I, I got a Dr. Bronner's regular one, the ones that are like this big, about a size of a liter. You know, I measured it, uh, got the color, took it into Adobe Illustrator and then copied the design style of the text to like a perfect degree and then uh -huh. started put it putting in my own. Um, nonsense. Like I put a like a spaghetti recipe in there. 
Um, I put like a couple comedians bits in there. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's how my, and I, that's how my Dr. Bronner's joke got stolen. Yeah. And then my idea was I was going to go to the union square, um, like, uh, office max and use their printers to print out a giant sticker and yeah. then put it over, put it over a Dr. Bronner's go to the bed, bath and beyond over on sixth Avenue and then switch them out. Nice. The random randomly in the store so somebody would be showering one day and they'd just be like wait what is this a matt brongner bit like like, <laughs> like what <laughs> what <laughs> you know uh dude i, I think we have the design we could we could uh sell ponzi scream dr bronner's face masks just get face masks and print out all of the ingredients off of his labels on the masks yeah, or it could be like, oh, if you can read this nonsense, you're absolutely too close to me. <laughs> you know, Hell like yeah. one of that, one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clever. Yeah, clever. Uh, <laughs> clever. <laughs> clever. Dude. <laughs> clever. So. Oh God. Okay. That next top us. Good. Next top us. Uh, <laughs> we are now on to the. This is again another CFTC charges California and Colorado residents in an ongoing multi-million dollar Ponzi scheme. Um, great, great. We love it. Uh, bah, we, know what the Ponzi, we know what the Ponzi scheme is. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, the they were saying that they were... It's another Forex thing. Again, another Forex thing. For, so the complaint alleged that from 2015 to the present, uh, they solicited more than $14.5 million dollars from at least 91 members of the public, including more than 50 resi- U.S. residents, for pooled investments uh, in some options, some Forex, and stealing the vast majority of that money. They tried to conceal their fraud by issuing false account statements and make, making phony excuses to them for their failure to return the funds and deliver the promised profits. Over time, these excuses have grown more outlandish, including, for example that European summer vacations delayed returns of funds and that Mm. storms in the Bahamas Mm. had delayed the transaction processing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, when you're trying to send your transaction by uh, taking a a couple hundreds, just duct-taping them to a stork, throwing (laughs) it up, and that stork gets caught in some of the uh you know the, cl- global climate change that's happening it's up oh, just delayed my transaction in the bermuda <laughs> triangle baby yeah 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 sorry yeah. sorry i can't turn the money um actually uh the money is now went through the bermuda triangle and is now in an alternative version of the 19th century uh, so yeah i mean haven't you ever it. lost money in a vile vo- uh, vortices you know <laughs> yeah haven't haven't you ever thrown your money into like a endless swirling pool made of pure light where um uh charles Lindbergh is actually the a presidential nominee uh, <laughs> sorry, uh <laughs> what hey, I, I like the yeah so hey H-P- sorry landlord i don't have my money but uh but my money's stuck in a philip roth novel uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, what if H, uh, the HP Lovecraft clause in your insurance policy? Well, there's a, a horror that's unnameable and undescribable that's cosmic. If, yeah. and it's maw opened up and made everyone that looked into it mad, including yeah. the, your accountants. Pursuant to unnamed horror A, unnamed horror B may not unexclusively retain rights to. Etc. 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 And then, like the next clause is like, if you hear the money, uh, the money's heartbeat underneath the floorboards, you are required <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to rip them up and give them back to your landlord. Uh, yeah. Well, nobody. Nobody ever. Nobody ever signs it because there are inevitably uh, racial slurs because H.P. Uh, <laughs> Lovecraft was a virulent racist. <laughs> he yeah. was not a nice man at all. But he, he just have. Yeah. <laughs> but he was also virile. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I have no idea. I've never. I've, have you guys read H.P. Lovecraft? I've never. No, never tried. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you guys nerds? You gotta. I know about. It. You I gotta lo- read I really one like... H.P. Lovecraft short story in your life. 
I I honestly probably will now because like I love the universe of it. It's like set in like 1895 uh, New Hampshire it, like It all settings. sounds like it, when you read it, you read it, it you read it in a sideshow Bob's voice though. Oh cool. Like yeah, it has yeah. it uh, it comes with that voice in your head mm-hmm. automatically. Mm-hmm. You'll well, only hear the, it in the most grave possible delivery. You yeah, know, it's very, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He what's speaks like a spooky. One? What's a what's a really famous one? Uh, you could just just pick up a book of his short stories, man. But every movie today, you've never read, you've never read any of them. You don't. They're remember. they're un- <laughs> <you're lying>. <laughs> <laughs> you've never read them. You have no idea. <laughs> I've I've never finished an H.P. Lovecraft book of short stories. <laughs> <laughs> I know like, that like... the Ghostbusters animated series version of Dan Aykroyd's character loves H.P. Lovecraft, Howard Philip Lovecraft. But uh, oh, the Reanimator! Oh, oh wow, the um... Necronomicon <laughs> from sure, Beyond. Sure. Oh, okay. and then a movie that I hated okay. that just came out, which was uh, the Color of the uh, Color Out of Space. Okay, all right. Okay, wow, all right. Nice. Well, Gabe Gabe uh that Gabe Googling HB Love. That was me stories. Googling mad shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 wraps up our top of section of today's Ponzi Scream. Uh we're gonna move into uh some nice uh how do, how do you guys feel about some entrees? Some some good old fashioned big stories. Uh sure. All right, so uh what's what's going on? Like how I don't know. What is it? How are you guys doing? Like, how, yeah, well, how are you? I mean, I, I work from home and it's a nightmare. Uh, I know some people are unemployed, but having to be on Zoom all day with seven year olds uh, is brain melting. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just wondering if this is going to be a reality for everyone. Labor in the future. Right. Is uh, going to be more I... of a nightmare than commuting and seeing people in face to face. See, Gabe and I have the same amount of torture, but in the exact opposite ways. Because I was delivering on Friday when a Tropical Storm Faye, I think his name was, Tropical Storm Faye came in. And I am not lying to you when I I say that I was the most soaked that I have ever been in my entire life life riding a bicycle like it oh, started oh, okay, raining okay you added that it started very end yeah it started raining and it did not stop raining and i was doing deliveries all day i went up t- from basically the bowery all the way up to 132nd and third picked up a thing headed down and i just looked like a joke like it was like raining sideways yeah. i looked like i had just <laughs> stepped out of a, a pool and i was just like I mean, thank God it was 78 degrees because if it was cold, I just would have gotten hypothermia. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't have made it. Uh, but yeah, I was absolutely soaked just outside all day. And then I did more deliveries on a delivery app that I that I work for and got soaked again when like after the eye of the storm passed over me because i was going over the williamsburg bridge and i was like oh cool it's clearing up i can get to see the sun and then i got way worse because uh it just like it was literally it was the actual eye going over where you could see the sky for a second yeah so you were being chased by the uh by the clouds oh all day uh i was uh it like it it, it it was raining so hard it actually broke my earbuds i was listening i had one of my earbuds <laughs> My earbuds, and then at one point during the day, one of them just shorted out because it got too wet. And I was like, "How is that possible? It's not even like close. It's not even getting rained on." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm unemployed. <laughs> I'm unemployed. Uh, um, I, uh, as many of you know, um, I I lost my job because I apparently it's not okay for you to. Uh, be naked in a work editorial call anymore uh, because Mm-mm. of political correctness. Um, and so that's why I lost my job. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. Uh, I can't think of any other reason why. 
uh, but I am suing uh, my employer uh, for me being my choice to become naked uh, all the time and be drunk at work. Uh, and that, that's the only real thing that's new with me in my life. Um, that's just, uh, that's not true. I lost my job because my employer, employer retaliated against me for union. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I, I, I could have, I was like, all right, David's playing it coy. And it's just like, nah, nah, no, but I don't know. Like, I think that, uh, yeah, no, I lost my job because, um, either because of a private equity firm, like hollowing out my publication or because of anti-union retaliation. Um, but the reason why I wanted to ask that is not because I care about you guys. Um, because <laughs> it, it, it's because there is just a lot of speculation about like when in, in a lot of these financial publications, but like, when is the economy going to recover? Like what is going on? How are people reading what's going on in the economy? And there's this piece in uh, Bloomberg that is called wall street forges, a new deal with data in the coronavirus age. And so oh. it sounds, yeah. <laughs> it, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds like you just barfed in my mouth. I hate it. <laughs> so basically everyone's trying to figure out, you know, like what is going on with the economy? Like, is the economy doing well? When is it going to bounce back? And everyone has their own unique set of obsessions, apparently, often different from the rest of the world, what the rest of the world is focused on. Relentlessly forward-looking, investors have all but in, have become all but inured to the economic reports that once set Wall Street's pulse. So there's new standards of interpretation, basically. So there's now all of a sudden people are looking, and there's a rundown basically of some of the coronavirus data that investors say that they're inter interested in, plus a sampling of high-frequency measures that they track otherwise, and. This whole thing just makes me um, want to fucking gag. Just like it, it, the whole, th it, like it goes through all these metrics as to determine how well the economy is doing. Okay, For okay, okay. So, so like instead of there being their regular boilerplate algorithms where they're like, oh, it is 75 degrees out, ergo people are going to want to buy uh, umbrellas, you know? Now what they're doing is they have that, but then they're like, hmm, it looks as though 7,000 people died today in Florida, so I think people are going to want to buy oak caskets instead of <laughs> instead of wood uh, you know exactly other ones that's, exa that's <laughs> you know? exactly right it's exactly right so like as a reminder you know uh there are people on state and federal unemployment insurance uh according to the labor department said it was 31.5 million uh the bureau of labor statistics uh says that the under the underreported unemployment data is actually 13.7 million um so there's just like all there's huge amounts of people unemployed, right? Like just mm -hmm. um, and there are how many people dying from coronavirus every day? Like this, we could look at the numbers, but by the time this uh, podcast episode comes out, the numbers are going to be new and different. There's going to be a new record in Florida. There's going to be a new record in Texas, probably California. Mm -hmm. um, and what these investors are saying is, huh? When do we think that it's going to be time for the coronavirus as a result of these issues? When yeah, is that going to these do, is that going to issues? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like as a result of these problems, when is it going to be a good time for us to invest? And when will it be a sign that things are better? Like that's so. The, here's a, a couple examples. Um, so basically, a few a few of the metrics that they're looking at are reproduction rate of how fast it's growing, fatality rate of coronavirus, positivity rate of coronavirus demographics like who is getting coronavirus there's someone who is saying that if the demographics prove that there are more young people getting coronavirus than old then the economy is doing better like it's <laughs> what the what the fuck <laughs> hospitalization <laughs> rates and icu capacity is another one um and then this, this one guy says um a higher rate could have a silver lining, says RBC Capital Markets' is Tom Porcelli. If new infections are concentrated in young, non-vulnerable population, the spike in cases could very well morph into a positive 
into a positive as we build herd immunity well ahead of the much-feared 2021 flu season. Like, the people who are quoted in this are other people like Tom Lee, co-founder and head of research at Fundstrat Global Advisors, Ben Axler, founder and chief investment officer of Spruce Point Capital, Evercore ISI's Dennis Debouchier, um, he highlighted metrics that included median age of those who've been infected with coronavirus, as well as the share of total U.S. deaths reported in long-term care facilities. None of these people are fucking doctors or epidemiologists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I think what's particularly salient about this is obviously, like, the humanity of it is just like very leached out of it. Yeah. So uh, people are just looking at like numbers and figures and what have you. But, you know, in, in some, it, these people, they're just trying to quantify and metricize like every and anything they can just to prove that their job matters. When, it, I mean, like, it's just, there's no rhyme or reason or like like we all live in New York City, which is kind of weird right now because there were very recently reported no new coronavirus deaths in New York Ooh. City, which is like a positive thing. And yeah. yet there are still lo large cr uh, crowds of people outside, you know, many of them unmasked, which is always a very uh, disconcerting thing. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, shouldn't the cases be going up in New York City? But also now everything's catching up in the Midwest and the South and California, et cetera. So when these people are like, no, 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 you don't understand. I found the algorithm. I figured it out. This is what this is going to be. It's just sort of like, no, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't bother? Know. They don't know. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's so callous to to like just be looking at these horrible things happening over and over and over again. There's severe amounts of like growth, like death and just sickness. And there are people who are legitimately thinking, when is this going to like, how is this going to be good for my money? How do I turn a profit off the misery? What is the system right, yeah. that I'm using for gambling on the deck of the sinking ship? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The craft yeah, stable is uh, still operating in the middle of like, the fire like, on the sinking we, ship. Right. Like the, yeah. like the people in in like the 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 tapas part of this episode like are all scammers and things like that. But all of these people who are being quoted in this story have the exact same incentive as these people who were arrested for, you know, breaking the law for some, you know, scam that they're doing. I mean, th there is the difference is is that they are speculating um and trying to profiteer off of death but they're just doing it through some mechanism that's viewed legitimate yeah we uh we we live in um this weird sort of society where you we're willing to tolerate this version of it but it's the on the face Ver versions of other things that people find um abusive or weird like if somebody came it like that they're, they're they're very well might be a sort of unknown clause people people kind of use and initiate like when they find out that their loved one has died or whatever you know it's understood that there shouldn't be a coffin salesman being like Hmm, I see you might need a I see you might need a casket sometime soon you know yeah. like he, like that guy that guy knows not to stay outside of that person's emergency room because it is it just incredibly insensitive to that kind of thing what but dude that things, sounds like a great <laughs> sales tactic though I know it, it's a good sales <laughs> no you're right it is it is right but you'd probably be fucking charged out of that hospital with but by pitchforks and angry relatives have you guys seen what's eating gilbert grape you ever see that movie no i haven't I've i did but i don't remember anything about it the so gilbert grape's like best friend um is like the only funeral director in this small town and he is just he's hilarious the whole thing he just goes and he's just like constant like i don't know it, he's like comedic relief um love the guy i've 
I have no joke as- associated with this guy. <laughs> I just look. I'm, I'm, my name is David, and I love movies. Yeah. All right? yeah. Well, <laughs> I like it, the trope in like an old West movie, right? A Wild West film. There, there's the main street in the small town, and then there's the coffin maker. And yeah. uh, he's always excited when the mysterious uh, stranger comes into town to clean things up because yeah, it means so there's like, going to oh, be more boy, bodies. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's necro, yeah. necro capitalism in microcosm. And now we're just seeing <laughs> necro. <laughs> that's the name of the band. <laughs> necro capitalism is, uh, is what these guys are engaged in right now. It's just profiting off of. Uh, 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 tabulating the body count. Oh yeah, God. and they and the, wow, that's and they're they're like doing it. You know, we, we don't really notice it as much because they're doing it in this weird sort of like again number oriented, like uh, obtuse, unrelatable way. Right. You know, and they're and they're hiding it. You know, if they just said in plain English, you know. I'm trying to find out how a dead three-year-old will help my my business. Right. Like people would just be, people would be like, ah, oh, that's terrible, you yeah. know. And it's all based. Yeah, they just hide it. They hide it in all the jargon, you know. And and what I think is like really weird about it is it really gets to the point of like what th- there is just so many questions about like what is economic productivity? Like how do you measure like what a good economy is and they talk about these like real time economic data as well. In addition to coronavirus, they talk about how like you know the economy is good when gasoline consumption is up. You know that uh, the economy is good when there's a lot of restaurant bookings, when uh, there's a lot of credit card spending. People are going into more debt, um, and it's it gets to the real like. Uh, there isn't really, none of this is talking about people having, none of this is real. I don't know. I, I can't really say it any other way. Like there's no, like they're just grasping at straws as to like what real people are feeling constantly. And they're just like, well, what if I have so much money and I've never spoken to a single person in my entire life who doesn't <laughs> have as much money as I do? Um, what, what, what are people feeling? What's the beat on the street? Let me go look at Grubhub's data and see how many people are ordering delivery food. Maybe that'll help me determine whether people are happy or not. Like, let me look at um, how many children are dying of coronavirus versus their grandparents. Maybe that will help me determine whether people are happy or not. Like, there's just such a separation, and that is the way that they determine whether the economy, quote-unquote, is good not whether the economy is bad. And and it's also even crazier because we've gotten to a place in our, uh, since uh, the financialization of our economy, which we'll get into in a sec, there is a real separation between capital accrual and labor, like wages rising. Like the, 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 they are no longer correlated like they were in the post-war years. And so there's just so much money going into people who are like investors, like these people quoted in this story, and there's no real understanding of what it means to anyone because no one really knows what it is doing to us. Like there's, um, here's another thing. This is from Reuters. Um, basically, the Federal Reserve, as you guys know, uh, put in $3 trillion of virus rescue stuff to... Uh, yes, into, into, I remember that. Into, mostly into the hands of corporate America, right? Like to keep mm-hmm. the airline industry afloat, to keep some, you know, hospitality sectors afloat, and really big shout oil. Out Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. Big oil yeah. in the Catholic Church. Love it. Yeah, they need it. They need it. So, they need it, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is happening so much that um, it's actually there's a quote that from this story. The story is uh, titled Federal Reserve's $3 trillion virus rescue inflates market bubbles. So everyone is worried that basically now what's happening is that the U.S. Central Bank pledged an unlimited financial asset purchases to sustain market liquidity, increasing its balance sheet uh, from $4.2 trillion in February to $7 trillion today. What that means is they are buying government bonds and um, 
mortgage-backed securities, which are partially owned by the government. Um, so what does uh, that means that you have money, right? You want to invest some of your money. What you'll sometimes do is you'll buy government bonds. Government. I bonds love doing are, that. This is basically just uh, the government paying out unemployment to corporate America. Like they love doing um, that. Mm-hmm. They love doing. Yeah, that. yeah. They're. I mean, and that's what. So this is the quote. This is the head of from the head of international fixed income at Nat Alliance. This guy named Andrew Brenner. COVID nineteen is now inversely related to the markets. The worse that coronavirus gets, the better the markets do because the Fed will bring in stimulus. That is what has been driving markets. I love it. That's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> that's that here, here. That's that pandemic, that pandemic relief money, dude. That's six hundred dollars yeah. a week. Yeah. We're all on but, we're know, all on universal basic income, and so are the corporations now. And so yeah, how do you turn are. the spigot off on them when they're addicted to it? Yeah. You know, this is I think I can find I think I have a way to conceptualize this so it's like so we can relate it to like another time period so that people already know is bad. As everyone who listens to the show knows, I am now an hour 30, I would say, of the power broker. And we have just gotten past to the part where they talk a little bit about the depression. All right. Okay. The big the depression. Prob- exactly. And the depression affected uh, Robert Moses and his family as well, even though they were very rich, as well as everybody in the United States. And one of the things that happened is he actually invested in a type of bond that was like a mortgage bond, essentially. Right. So it was it was like a thing where it's like, oh, I am basically betting that this piece of property is going to like yield whatever profit right. and it's that's- going to yield. Uh, yeah and and the and it's happened forever people yeah and and people don't conceptualize what a bond is until it fails because when the depression happened a lot of these like guaranteed profit bonds failed and then instead of having this thing that pays you out over time it turns into a piece of paper that means nothing and what happens when the entire economy goes from we are steadily making money until, oh no! Now this is a bunch of worthless paper. Holy it shit! Mean I got a I got a pile of pogs in my safe. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So now what's like a weird thing is actually the Fed is almost like overcorrecting that problem from the Great Depression, when they are buying up people's bonds and they are buying up corporate bonds especially. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically. If you are uh, a corporation and all of a sudden no one is buying your product, the coronavirus has ruined you, everyone's losing their job, no one's shopping, you need money. You need liquidity. So you have all these investments, mostly bonds, and that's how the Federal Reserve bails people out is they'll just say, um, I will – okay, I'm going to – we will buy your bonds. And that is how mm-hmm. – that's what they're doing right now. But what that's creating is this incentive system wherein the longer coronavirus goes on, the more the Fed is going to bail people out by buying up their bonds. So the more prolonged this coronavirus pandemic happens in the United States, the more corporations are going to be making artificial money, basically. Yeah. And, and this, it's, it's this is not keep, earned it's gonna keep go- from capitalism. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going up. The problem is going to be keep saying, no, 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 this is above my pay grade. Send the problem up here. No, 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 the problem is above my pay grade. Send it up here. And you're going to get to a point that is bad on a federal level. <laughs> you know, it's not just like a corporation failing or whatever. It's just sort of like, no, nah, man, we keep making money uh, and giving it, and then it fails or whatever right. or di- disappears, so to speak, and I mean, what happens when you uh, when you um, just invalidate an entire country's just you insane know. inflation, just absolutely yeah. rampant yeah. inflation? Like there is so much talk about like so um, like okay, I'm not worried about like the debt. There's no deficit really for the Federal Reserve to owe itself back money that it's giving out. But the longer you just start giving out corporate bond, like paying out corporate bonds. Um, there is just never going to, it, there's just going to be so much money that's artificially earned 
to keep people afloat. And eventually there's just going to be a fuck ton of money that it's going to become meaningless because none of it's actually tied to labor. Labor creates wealth in an economy, right? Labor is why a dollar means a dollar, okay? And if you don't have any labor tied to that currency, then it's just going to be the Federal Reserve just giving you bullshit. Um, and th there is a, it, it's very glib almost at this point to say like, oh, well, we have corporate socialism and stuff like that. But like, this is, I mean, this is happening on such a vast scale. Um, not just that it is like invalidating merit and it's like further proving that like corporate elites are like being leeches on the economy and that they have like, there's a double standard for the rich and the poor and like all that hypocrisy stuff. It's like really it is important, but it's literally getting to the point where it is also going to create insane runaway inflation. Yeah, like actually the actual bad, uh, like a really kind bad, of yeah, like a really bad thing. Not just like an, not just like some like injustice. Um, and in the meantime, uh, no one's doing anything about coronavirus. This is going to keep going on, and looming evictions may soon make 28 million people homeless in the United States, uh, according to the CNBC. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, people are still wondering whether the coronavirus economy is doing well. This is a weird story. Um, a United States town prints its own currency to boost coronavirus relief. Hell yeah. Uh, this is. Ooh, <laughs> some <they're>, script. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this I is, love it. Th yeah, this is from Washington, a town uh, named Tonino, and they're literally getting a wooden printing press, bringing it back no. to life, a wooden printing press, <laughs> cranking it back to life to mint currency after nearly 90 dormant years. What happened 90 years ago? The Great Fucking Depression happened 90 years ago. They are, um, yeah. They're doing some, this like, is some Chaz shit. This is some good chazzing. <laughs> they are becoming an autonomous zone. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, some ten, they're making Tanino bucks. Tenino That's bucks. so good. Yeah, yeah. They could put they could put somebody's cat on on one of the dollars. It'll be great. Like, uh, oh, that's so that's so interesting. What? what well, I'm from Washington, so I'm yes. actually curious where where this is because this is this must be in Eastern Washington, which I am uh, less familiar with. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I um. So this is a twenty five dollar wooden bill bearing the town's name, Tanino, with the words COVID relief superimposed on the image of a bat and the Latin phrase, the Latin phrase, uh, we have it under control, printed in cursive. I mean, th this, huh. this whole thing is um, basically for the rich, they are getting, you know, Federal Reserve corporate bonds, and in small towns, uh, you know, Eastern Washington is, like, well-known to be uh, much lower income than Western Washington. They are literally reviving their wooden coin industry. The wooden nickel oh. is coming back. Yeah, man. Look at that. Look at, look at this. I, yeah. I'm on their, their Wikipedia. Uh, first of all, Oh no, it's not pop, pop populate. Yeah. It's actually like a little bit South of Seattle. It's kind of like near Tacoma, uh, population of, of 1,695. Not a lot of people. Um, but yeah, the Tenito wooden money issued during the Great Depression. This place has a rich history of being like, all right, you guys are fucking, or the federal government, you're fucking us over. We'll, we'll make some Tenino bucks, you know? That's so funny. So it's Look not in eastern Washington. Um, no. But it's still just this small town. It is so crazy. The story says... Um, my, th this is from the story from this someone, um, a, a Tanino resident, uh, the mayor, actually. He sa said, my great aunt Erlene has the family collection of Tanino bucks all stashed away. Like, this has been going on. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of it because in some ways it's like lit, right? Creating the chaz. You're like mm -hmm. doing some like, you know, this is maybe from the anarchist cookbook of 1931 cool uh but also like uh just to see the discrepancy is is fucking infuriating that's i mean it, it is really funny because obviously there's been so many stories of like 
all right, we're going to send these the, the Hell's Angels into Seattle to, you know, uh, uh, wash out the Chaz, get them out of the Capitol Hill area. Meanwhile, yeah. this place, I want to say maybe 100 miles from Seattle, like, <laughs> is doing, lit like, a very similar thing. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it's similar so much in, it's like, the si- the number of people involved about you know about fifteen hundred. They're subverting like a national federal mandate of like currency and like what they can do in exchange. If they just happen to not be in on Capitol Hill, you know, it's a uh, it's wild. That that's so interesting. So they're used. To, so this is a fun weird fact about this uh, about like alternative currencies. Is just they're uh, used to be everywhere in the United States in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And then when the national bank system kind of came around, there used to be like um, every state to like some states would have it. Some like regions of some states would have their own currency. Um, and now then they kind of all became standardized as like basically the United States developed into a modern federal s- nation. Right. Um, but it seems like it was a whole thing that was just created for these times of like extreme, poverty basically mm-hmm. um and we are fucking in it man like we're we're fucking in it this is this is like the, this is the bad times and i this is worse than the great depression like it has to be yeah the real question is is when does the when does the floor fall out and i think i think that's the million dollar question right now because we all obviously saw the floor already hasn't fallen out well, it did, but the thing is, it's like, when does it really fall out? Because when the coronavirus first hit, the stock market, like, dipped a fucking huge amount and in a weird way, and then all this weird artificial stuff happened. I'm speaking vaguely, obviously, and, you know, because a lot of financial things happened in order yeah. to make the stock market rebound, and now we're in this sort of, like, weird zone where, like, real estate owners are trying to buy up properties you know on the cheap and you know people are moving from like cities to you know less populated areas etc etc so it's like my question is is like when does the rubber meet the road and like people actually start feel like it's like oh shit we can't hide around this financialization anymore it's like things are just bad well i think what what things will i think that actually um to what Trump, I think, was smart about for his own self-preservation is that he used the National Defense Authorization Act or whatever it's called um, to nationalize and require that the meat industry uh, basically become uh, – to, to maintain their production through coronavirus because he recognized that once people go hungry, that's when, this, that's when it really happens. That's when we go um, to Barter Town, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't get your meats, you know? Yeah. Then uh, uh, it's like all of a sudden the United States becomes Arby's. We have the meats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, yeah. It's, well, that's it's when evil. Alex Jones is real. Like, well, you know how he, he, was, <laughs> he was saying, you know, like, uh, look, if it's between you and me, if it's between me and my neighbors, I'm going to make sure my daughters eat. There's no way my daughters are going to starve. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat your ass. Like, that's all of Florida. That's millions of Florida men are thinking that, you know? So we yeah. got to keep we got to keep the slaughterhouses pumping out fresh tenderloins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, I, I, and, and I would also say this. You know, just because I don't want to just come across as a doomsayer necessarily is like, you know, like one thing that Joe Rogan will continually go on about is just sort of like, like, you know, like, you know, when things first happened, we really saw how little society was holding itself together. Like, this is right when some of the protests were happening. All right. Right. So, like, you know, you, you see clips when you're a comedian on YouTube, essentially. Once, once you're a comedian... 
YouTube is like, oh, you're a comedian, so you would like to hear about Joe Rogan. So you naturally they get thrown into your queue a lot or whatever. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And and his and his whole thing was like, we're we're barely holding ourselves together. This is this is insane and crazy and blah 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 blah. All that regular Joe Rogan horse shit, you know. But right. what I would say to that is that like, yeah, things are very uncertain and things are. It's it's like it is scary, you know. But honestly, if Tonino can kind of like get its own shit together and, you know, make do and hell, even just like make and have that have that persist through like their own temporary currency or just like way out, make it so like people don't go hungry or whatever. It's like, oh, no, it's cool. It, it, that's it, Tanino. That's Tanino, baby. Let it, let it happen. You know, I mean, people. I, I you know, I, very few people. I think are, are just like abjectly cruel when and like stupid, like Alex Jones and uh, and and Joe Rogan, who are just like, no, no, I'm gonna fucking kill somebody the minute I ch- get a get a chance. You oh know? yeah, and those people never will. Like they, that, that, the, like the person who like barks about it the most is never gonna actually be the most aggressive. In real, like, yeah. If that actually happened, because they are cowards. I mean, that's, that's just, like most of, like the people when there's if there's actually like some sort of like civil war, or, like the purge or like zombie apocalypse thing, like all those people will die first. Um, there's just no, I don't believe any of them. None of them have like lived real <laughs> things. None of them have done anything real. Like all these people live in like multi-million dollar McMansions in the middle of a suburb suburban enclave and like don't talk to anyone. And so everything that they do mm-hmm. is purely in this superficial, like artificial uh not not superficial, it's like artificial, like late capitalist bubble where there's just there's no empirical consequences for their actions. So they'll say whatever the fuck they want because they've never experienced reality. Ever. Yeah. 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 Gabe, you looked like you had a facial expression that sort of said, like, I do have a cache of weapons buried somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that one right there. <laughs> I real I mean, I just don't even I don't know too much about what uh what Rogan's saying in terms of violence. I don't really care too much. I think more um that when when we talked about the bottom falling out, uh, nations are temporary, and it doesn't mean that the yeah. world's going to end. I just think that whatever we have, I'm totally willing to imagine a possibility of a future yeah. where there's a completely mm-hmm. different organization or or where there's different lines of territory drawn. Yeah, it's you know not, that's I how mean, I look at it. The independent nation yeah. of Tonino. Yeah, that, yeah, that might yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean. things change. Things change, and you know, from a comedy level, you know, very quickly. Like, you know, I think I think may, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but like I've seen the occasional Facebook posts of people, um, you know, some of our friends who are maybe a little bit more famous, you know, who are they're trying to tour, and it's only in. With, with like this accelerated you know pandemic stuff happening where we're four months into it and they are deciding to go out into the world and try to do that that you do kind of see like the absurdity of it to, to an extent it's like it's like it's like you you really you really had to go to cincinnati ohio to a comedy club that is over but that is over putting people in a row that like they're they're smashing people together in a place that has had less of a right coronavirus peak where there's a huge possibility of things spiking up there and you you had to do it you you really had to go there that that is absurd it really is make like there's this one guy in the portland comedy he he always put it best he said it was a bit where he was just like people always say oh yeah when i uh uh, oh, you're you're cla- you're you're helping people. People laughter is the best medicine. It's just like, oh no, you don't understand. I would do this if it hurt people. <laughs> 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 and now and now we're actually kind of seeing that. It's like, right. no, 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 you don't you don't understand. I will do this even if it hurts people. <laughs> well, that's what my you know I love the uh, Dark Knight Returns uh, the comic the comic book and in Dark Knight Returns the Joker goes on David Letterman and he. Uh, gasses the entire audience with smilex and that's kind of what i think of every time i 
hear that a comedian's going to go on tour and perform mm-hmm. indoors. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what if you or anyone else, like D.L. Hughley performed and passed out on stage and he had coronavirus and uh, he wasn't what? wearing a mask. So that's just everybody in there has now been exposed. Well, I think an important takeaway from this is that stand-up comedy is not, stand-up comedians are not essential workers, Um, but but, but podcasters are. Podcasting is essential work. Well, yeah. We absolutely. Yeah. Completely. I'm only doing this, uh, as you guys all remember, we started doing Ponzi Scream um, as an act of public service. Uh, from the federal, the federal Federal Reserve gave us money to start this podcast. And this is a was, psyop. We started this. Yeah, <laughs> we started this podcast. Uh, what was it, the the third week of coronavirus? Is that when when was that our first episode? And we have been feeding people necessary information. I, I like to think of this as like the fireside chats. Of yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're by a radio and you're just saying, uh, you know. Uh, uh, pee pee jokes into it. You're like, this is the podcast where we talk about really complicated things and then tell people to not worry about it. It's not important. That's what <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's important. It's, it's, it's important. People forget that. So many financial, like, look, financial things are interesting. Mm-hmm. I think they're interesting. And I think it's funny when people try to be like, look, it's, I'm, it's like, it's not a spade. And then I'm like, it's a spade, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Don't worry, y'all. Don't worry. Anyways. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I think that. Um, that was a full plate. <laughs> that was, that a, was a full yeah. plate with a bunch of with a bunch of little plates in it. Yeah, or on it, what, around I don't it. Even, oh god, yeah. I kind of wish we had just done an episode to have just tapas. I was kind of full after that already, but the Gabe brought a bunch of little plates, and then David was just like, "I have a whole bowl of mashed potatoes." <laughs> a, a plato fuerte. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you just read an article where someone's like, how's the economy doing? And you just get mad. And so then you have to spend a half an hour talking about why they're dumb. These are important uh, <laughs> meal prep things. My stomach was upset and I had to I had to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know. You guys want to wrap up? Are we done? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're done. Feel good. That was great. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Ponzi Scream. Um, my name's David, I think. Um <laughs> I'm Gabe. What, what, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think my name is uh, Kevin. Yeah, that's my name. Yeah. In, in the in the apocalypse, I guess we should all have like gnome gnomes the apocalypse, right? So I would want my uh, like a gnome de guerre, but like a gnome the apocalypse. I guess mine can uh, mine mine can be Florence. I'll be Florence. Like the machine? No. <laughs> I'm gonna be Fudge. That's my name, Fudge. Yeah, <laughs> Gabe. Uh, Freddie is perfect. That's great. We'll do Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Keep, keep it. Keep cool. F names. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're a family. Uh, all right, guys. Bye, bye. Great. Bye. bye.